Hi, I'm Bill Zingronian. I took a left at the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. I'm an atheist. Coming at you with another set of jokes. This is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and I had to pull the plug on my EC, so I've effectively lost my cool. Oh. <laughs> you know, usually I have a team here with me, but today <laughs> I don't have a team. I've got my good old friend. He lost his last fencing match, but he was spoiled again. Hey, Scott. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? I'm all right. Yeah. All right. Things are going well. Unfortunately, Working too hard. We, we've lost the girls today. I know. It's, uh, it's just you and very, me holding the fort, bud. Very disappointing because, uh, well, Nancy just has so many great... <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, she's feeling a bit under the weather, so... It's okay. And, we'll and, forgive her. And I miss, I miss the other two because they're just so positive. Yes. Like, it's positivity. It's okay, you know? man. The boys can handle this. Oh, we sure can do we this can. Show. Sure we can. We oh, can yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> We're in trouble. <laughs> I'd like to apologize in advance to all our listeners. <laughs> Welcome back. Hope you had a good week. Um... I just came for my funeral yesterday. Remember, oh, remember sorry last week? Well, remember last week when we talked about the guy that ended up being shot at the Vegas. Uh, this uh, this uh, Canadian that ended up dying was well, one of them anyway. Uh, ended up uh, dying. His name is Jordan. He was a uh, customer of mine, twenty three. Right, right. Yeah. So his, his funeral was that. yesterday. So. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I feel real bad because <laughs> not only is he a customer of mine, or was a customer of mine. Part of the team that that, that is a customer. I also know his father, who is also an, is another customer of mine as well. So I feel really really bad for uh, for them, and I, so I stopped in there and wished him my best. And uh, speaking of uh, people that passed away, did you hear that Rafe Mayer passed away? No. R- Rafe Mayer was the uh, he was part of the Socred uh, government at the time. He was environmental minister. He was also a uh, DJ at the uh, CKNW. He was a talk show host for the longest time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he passed away as well. So. Uh, oh, that's a shame. I had the pleasure of meeting Rafe Mayer several years ago when I was doing uh, Cinema Politica. I was uh, showing a movie called The End of the Line. It was talking about overfishing in the oceans. Yes. And since he was environmental minister, we had him come in as a uh, talking guest. Super sharp. You know, still in his advanced age, and he was in his uh, 80s there when he uh, he passed. And uh, really, really nice guy. We're going to miss him. Definitely. Did you hear that the plague, and I'm talking about the bubonic plague. Bubonic plague. Is actually spreading in Madagascar. I can believe it. Yeah. Apparently dozens were killed, or over 100 infected, and this was in late August. Uh, there are two types, apparently. Uh, one of them is uh, spread by the rats and the fleas, like the one we, we know from history. And the other one was spread from person to person. Person to person? Yes. Okay, that's scary. That is a bit more scary. Uh, apparently, of course, it, the, the disease thrives in poor sanitary conditions. And um, it can be cured by antibiotics if they're delivered early. So well, we're, we're keeping I remember that. when I was in the military actually getting inoculated against the plague. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was a there was an inoculation for one of them. I'm not sure which version that they. Either one you don't want to get. <laughs> well, I, I'm just thinking, like, why isn't that open to the general population? If you're in a plague-ridden area, because it the plague has never gone away. Exactly. It's always been there. Yeah. Why wouldn't they issue that inoculation to people? Well, it depends where if it's needed or not. For example, in Madagascar, apparently there are about a 400 cases of the plague a year. So it's still a. That's can- rampant. Yeah, it, it, in a way, yes. Um, apparently, there are ten to fifteen cases in the southern U.S. a year. Yeah, you see that there's there's no need of that. There's, there's a huge difference, and in Canada, it doesn't really happen. The last known case of the plague in Canada was 1939. Okay, so they give you the the doses where you need them, I guess. And I know I know that if you're treated early, they can they can generally. I mean, there's a a high probability that you're going to die, but 
you stand a good chance of surviving if if you're treated early. Right? Exactly, exactly. The, the earlier you catch it, the better. Remember a couple of uh, week, uh, weeks, uh, sorry, a couple of weekends ago, we interviewed Michael E. Sparks. Yes. He talked about, we talked about uh, his uh, journey as a volunteer for uh, Bernie Sanders. Well, <laughs> turns out Donald Trump tweeted about Michael Sparks. Oh, really? He did. Oh, no. So, <laughs> I guess that's a nosh for Michael. Michael, congratulations. Donald Trump knows you exist. <laughs> so, this is a tweet uh, Donald Trump wrote. Maybe I should do a Donald Trump voice. Michael E. Sparks' book about being a Bernie volunteer is a book about a loser written by a loser who works for free. Morons, that's who. I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message. So that's wow. <laughs> Donald Trump and his natural eloquence. Quick question about this. Doesn't Donald Trump donate his salary? He's, as, he's, as president. Uh, I believe he does that, right? Well, I don't know how that works, because he's not even supposed to be making money from his well, he, investments. And no. The, the, that's the, all the, supposed the, to be handed over to somebody. The kids are running that part. He's kind well, of cheating a bit there. Yeah, he's cheating exactly. big time there. But I believe his presidential salary, he's actually donating it as well. Which kind of... Doesn't he work for free, then? <laughs> yeah, well, what's he donating his salary to? Probably well, a cause that implies himself. So... Michael, congratulations. We support you here, man. Yeah. You're the man. Um, did you hear that two-thirds of Australians think religion does more harm than good? Uh, they're fine. They, wake, they woke up. They woke up. Apparently, the uh, survey interviewed 13,000 people across 23 countries, and the global average was 49%. On that which quest, is good. Which is actually pretty That's, good. I like that. I like to hear that. Australia was 63%. Uh, Belgium came in at number one at 68%. Wow. Germany and Spain came in at the same as Australia, 63%. Canada, if you're interested, came in at 55%. Okay, well, we're not that bad. I mean, we're, 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 we're it's, getting, it's getting there. We're getting better. Um, yeah, so uh, that's pretty interesting. Did you also hear, remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about Asteroid 2012 TC4. Now, is this the one that's going to come between the Earth and the Moon? Yes. Within something like... 50,000 kilometers. Yeah, I was, I was thinking 30 to 50,000 kilometers. Yeah, our highest satellites are around 36,000 kilometers. This so thing passes about 50,000. Are any of the satellites in danger? No, because it's flying above that. It is It is going to be outside of that, okay. Actually, it went by us. It passed by Antarctica at 1.42 a.m. Eastern Standard Time Thursday. Oh, excellent. So, uh... It that, didn't hit us. No, but... The end of the world didn't happen. Exactly. Oh, no. <laughs> and... But, but I had that big party and threw all my life savings away because I knew the world was ending. <laughs> Did you pull out your telescope? Were you watching the event? <laughs> Apparently, the size of this asteroid was between 10 and 30 meters. And like I said, it was flying at about 50,000 kilometers south of Antarctica, I guess. Or you can't okay. really see south Very cool. once you're in space. Wasn't but. this the one that NASA... Uh, yeah, NASA. Yeah, the planetary defense thing, they wanted to test... The lines of communication and, and procedures and if there was going to be a strike, because that a strike of that size would do considerable damage. to It, a, it to would do area, about the same right? damage that the uh, 1908 Tunguska incident in Siberia did. Right. Right. Uh, about the same size uh, uh, asteroid. Uh, now, NASA was quite aware of this asteroid because apparently it has a predictable orbit. So they right. knew it wasn't going to hit, but they, they were taking the chance to... They were using this as a... An opportunity, an opportunity to study. To, exactly. And, well, and, and to test our worldwide defense, uh, yeah. which, which involves basically run and hide rather than... Yeah, if there is a, defend, yeah. there's no defense as per se. So it was, a, it was a communication thing to say, okay, so if this was going to happen, we're going to play the event out. How do we communicate it out? How do we get the word out to people to move away from an area? Because exactly. they'd be able to predict where it was going to hit, right? Exactly. In uh, more better news, I guess, there is a Canadian, his name is Joshua Boyle, and his wife, Caitlin Coleman. Um, so Joshua, his wife, and three kids were freed after being held captive for five years by the Taliban. So that's that's good news. Uh, apparently, she was pregnant at the time she would, they were kidnapped. Uh, they were kidnapped in Afghanistan. Um, the the captors were killed by P uh, Pakistani forces. Uh, now the the couple set off in 2012 
for Russia, Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan, and Afghanistan, and everything with Stan. They're hitting all the stands. They're hitting all the stands, and that's where they were kidnapped. Okay, what were they doing? They were traveling, I guess. See, this worries me that people would put themselves into these places that are not Especially exactly... when, with her being pregnant on top of that, that's... She was pregnant yeah. with the first child. Yes. And then she had... Three, Two more. Three more, because they killed the one child. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah, it was in the news this morning. Really? The, the ICE or uh, the Taliban or whoever she, they were being held by um, killed the first child. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm going to have to follow now, more on that, I guess. The other question I have is, how did they end up having three more children well, when, in captivity? Like, there's nothing to do in captivity, but <laughs> fun, I guess. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry. The whole, the whole story kind of disturbs me on a, on a very oh, deep is. level because... I feel bad for them being captured. Yes. I feel bad for them being held hostage. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they put themselves in that situation. Well, yeah, I understand They that. They went to a place full well knowing that because the news reported that they, they had gone there to help people in deepest, darkest Taliban-held territory. Well, you're a Canadian going to deepest, darkest Taliban-held territory. We yeah. were at war with them not too long ago. Where are you nuts? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I sort of agree with that, but you know, at least at least we can say it has a happy ending. It does have a well happy ending to a point. I mean, they did lose their first child. Yeah, but uh, at least they're free. It's good that they're home. They can pursue a, a normal life now. Uh, well, whatever that means now yeah. for them. Maybe there's no such thing for them yeah. as a normal life. Um, so uh, our prime minister met with Mexican President Enrique Peña Nieto. Uh, as concerned amount of the U.S. not looking to reach an agreement for NAFTA. NAFTA could be dead. I think NAFTA is going to be dead because the Americans just don't want to play ball. No. Well, Donald Trump doesn't want to play ball, that's for sure. Yeah. So I wonder what that's going to mean for Canada. Um, well, Canada and Mexico are supposedly teaming up now. Yes. They know that it's an American-centric Problem. negotiation. Yeah. And uh, I, I have a feeling that things will work out for us because Canada and Mexico are going to basically put their foot down and say, no, we're not accepting. If we have to, we'll do a bilateral agreement between Canada and Mexico and leave the states out of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that's what's going to happen. And to finish off, there's a Canadian study published in a British medical journal that suggests that patients of female surgeons fare better. Now, this went on a 104,630 patients and uh, operated on by 3,314 surgeons in Ontario. Now, it's not been much of a, uh, a difference, but apparently they are 4% less likely to die in the first 30 days post-operation. Really? Yeah. Um, of course, the findings are saying that it might have some important impl- implications for equality. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see that. Uh, in case you were wondering, in Canada, there's about 7,210 male surgeons to 2,856 female surgeons. Surgery really? and medicine has always been much more male-dominated, but these fines might encourage more women to get into the profession. Well, I think women should get into the profession. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I just thought it was something very interesting to notice. Huh. Hmm. Well, normally this is the part where we get Nancy to do her disdain history and all that, but since we don't have her to do this, we're going to do something a bit different today. We're going to do. We're going to be talking because yesterday was Friday the thirteenth. Yes. So we're going to be talking about Friday the thirteenth. What does that mean, and why people are so afraid of that? Just do a little blurb about this. Now, I don't want to receive your email saying, Yo, Kevin, you're playing the Halloween theme music. It's not the music from Friday the 13th in the movie. I don't care. I don't want to receive your email. It just... That music just sounds better. <laughs> it does sound pretty creepy. Yeah, exactly. It's creepy music. So, Friday the 13th. Why are people so afraid of Friday the 13th? You know? Uh, there is a word for that. Triska... Yeah, Paraskavidakap... Triophobia <laughs> or fear of Friday the 13th. Uh, a lot of people are actually paralyzed by the whole damn thing. Um, some people say there were some biblical origins. The superstition around this day is thought to have come about during the Middle Ages. Uh, some historians have claimed it was a day on in which, well, biblical historians, it was a day on which Eve bit the apple from the tree of knowledge and the great flood began on the Friday oh, the 13th. Now how do they figure that? Ah, it's, like, it's, come on. It's ridiculous. Obviously. That's just silliness. But those are the 
medieval biblical knowledge of what they thought was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, knowledge already. Yeah. In the New Testament, there was 30, 13 people present for Jesus' Last Supper on Maundy Thursday, the day before Christ's crucifixion on Good Friday. So... I'm sure that had something to do with it, too. Oh, yeah. But yeah, usually, nice. people refer to Friday the 13th because on Friday th- uh, the 13th, October 13th, 1307, Philip IV of France arrested hundreds of the Knights Templar, which led to their execution and the destruction of the Order. So that's exactly why most people are afraid of Friday the 13th. Here are a couple of bad things that have happened on Friday the 13th. In 1976, New Yorker Daz Baxter was apparently so afraid of Friday the 13th, he decided to save his place to say it was in his bed. He was killed when the floor of his apartment block collapsed that day. <laughs> okay, that's, yeah, that would creep me out a little bit. <laughs> in 2009, the 13.5 million pound Saw ride at Thorpe Park had its opening premiere and it had to be shut down due to a computer programming fault. In 2010, lightning struck a 13-year-old Suffolk boy on Friday the 13th at 13.13. Definitely not lucky for him. Uh, During the 1990s, retired bus conductor Bob Renfrey also vowed to stay in bed on a superstitious day after some (laughs) seriously bad luck. The Welshman had crashed four cars, falling into a river, and made a redundant... (laughs) and. and been made redundant on previous Friday the 13th. So, that's why he did that. Buckingham Palace uh, was apparently hit by five German bombs on Friday the September 13th, 1940, when one member of the royal staff killed and the palace chapel destroyed. And what was the cause of that? The bombing. World War II bombing. Well, that that's not Friday the 13th. It, it happened on a Friday the 13th. It happened on a Friday the 13th. All of these things are coinkydinks. Of course they are. <laughs> But we, we, we know that, but we're explaining why people feel that way, right? Uh, a Chilean Air Force plane disappeared in the Andes on a Friday, October the 13th, 1972, with 16 survivors turning up two months later they had been forced to eat dead passengers in order to survive. Yes. Remember that movie? Yes. yes. Alive. Alive. That was based on uh, untrue events. Yuck. And here, here's the reason I believe Friday the 13th is really bad. Uh, rapper Tupac Shakur died in his wounds on Friday, September 13, 1996. Ouch. Um, the Costa Concordia cruise ship ran aground on Friday the 13th in January 2012 off the western coast of Italy, killing 30 people. Okay. I remember that. That was the one the uh, the, the captain fled before yeah, the, yeah, the captain he was ordered back and on. He was, he was drinking margaritas at the hotel yeah. watching his ship sink. <laughs> ISIS carried out seven coordinated terror attacks in Paris, killing 130 people on the evening of Friday the 13th, 2015. Wow. Yeah. So this number has obviously been considered unlucky for the longest time. Um, For many years, even before Christ and his 12th apostle, number 12 is historically considered to be the number of completeness, while his older cousin, 13, has been seen as an outlier. There are 12 months in the year, 12 God Olympus, 12 months, 12 uh, hours of the clock, 12 tribe of Israel, 12 apostles of Jesus, 12 descendants of Muhammad, among many incidents of the pattern. So as but soon as you get it to 13, 13 it's bad. 13 items in a baker's dozen. That's right. That's right. One for the baker, right? Yeah. In many Western countries, tall buildings are missing the 13th floor. That's in, right. In China, the fourth floor, in some cases, all floors with the number four are left out of the Chinese buildings. Wow. Yeah. Houses often do not have a number 13, and many hotels, including the Carlton in London, miss out a 13th floor. Yes. Which is ridiculous, because when you're on the 14th floor, you really know which floor you're, you're on. You're on the 13th right? floor. I mean, exactly. <laughs> Maybe that's why, uh, was, it, was it Stephen King wrote that book, 1408? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. See? So that would have been the 13th floor. Mm. Damn. It is considered very unlucky for 13 people to dine together and for the first to rise will uh, and the first to rise will reach serious misfortune a superstition upheld by US President Roosevelt he also refused to travel on Friday the 13th so wow. it's pretty incredible to see a lot of people having uh, so much uh, Paranoia we should look into old Star Trek episodes and see how many of the red shirts were around when they. Uh, <laughs> it might have been thirteen. You know, thirteen dead red yeah, shirts. The first one to move. He's the guy getting it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. 
Um, in some areas, calling a doctor for the first time on a Friday is a certain omen of death. Wow. It's not just the 13th, right? Cutting hairs and nails on a Friday is a certain path to misfortune. And many couples will refrain from marrying on a Friday in some parts of the world. Um, Dr. Caroline Watt of the University of Edinburgh uh, said that it is uh, the belief that Friday the 13th superstition that could, in fact, prove the greatest risk to the average person. If people believe the superstition of Friday the 13th, then they believe they're in greater danger that day. I, t- I could totally see that happening. Yep. As a result, they may become more anxious and distracted, and this could lead to accidents, becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. Sure. Makes sense. Yeah. So, that was essentially our little thing on Friday the 13th. <laughs> Silliness, superstition. Yeah, exactly. Black cat crossing your path, don't walk under the ladder. Um, so, what happens if the black cat crosses your path on Friday the 13th while you're walking under that stepladder? Oh, you, you, you might as well just... <laughs> Slash your own I think we should, I think we should set it up. This we should a, set that one up. <laughs> this is the second Friday the thirteenth this year. We had one in January as well. So and it's just before Halloween. So the timing is absolutely perfect. Well, this one's beautiful, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's move on to something more fun. Our little segment that we usually call another brilliant moment. Brought to you by religion. You know when Jeebus said he'd be back. <laughs> could have guessed it'd be in Siberia nearly 2,000 years later. Now, what would drive people to drop everything and move to a cottage in one of the coldest and most remote part of the planet? The chance to meet the Son of God in the flesh. Yeah, Jesus is back! Did you know? Petro Pavlovka is home to almost 5,000 Visya Rionites who worship a man who claims to be Jesus reincarnated. He's back! Jesus is back, man. He's back. Oh, okay, well, that's it. Okay, wait a minute. We're done. So no. can he do... Close the show. We're done. Can he do... No, we're done. Jesus is back, man. This no, whole no, show no. Has He's got to prove it. I'm a skeptic. He's You're a skeptic? Prove it. Okay, okay. He's got to prove it. Let's be skeptical then. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Okay, so so if this guy's Jesus, what, what's he going to do to show he's Jesus? Well, let's just see. So uh, Viserion, a.k.a. the teacher, lives in a private compound nearby... Uh, but his followers yeah, get to hear him give sermons when he discusses topics like vegetar- uh, veg- uh, vegetarianism, reincarnation, and the coming apocalypse, which he says will be the great, a great flood. Before the day comes, Vizarian hopes to unite all the world's religions. So his followers also study the Last Testament, which is a New Testament, because it's Vizarian's 10-volume sequel to the Bible which includes philosophy, description of aliens, and warnings about the future. His followers are also forbidden from drinking and smoking or using money. Well... Not funny. They can't drink, they can't smoke, they can't use money. That's right. They're gonna die. <laughs> his, his name is actually... He was born Sergei Anatolievich Toro, and while his mother... He, he claims that his mother is Mary, he admits he had a biological mother as well. Now he's now he's 56. He was a soldier of the Red Army before the Cold War ended, and worked as a traffic policeman until 1989. That's when he lost his job, and coincidentally, started to have visions, revealing his true nature. So then he moved into the Siberian wilderness in the 1990s, when Petro Pavloka was just a group of huts in the forest. Now it's a huge, self-sufficient community with solar power, satellite TV, and organic vegetable gardens. Satellite TV, huh? Yeah. But they're not allowed to drink. They're not allowed to drink. Or smoke. At least they got TV. Wow. So while Viserion says he's in the reincarnation of Jesus, his church of the Last Testament plays by a different set of rules. For one thing, polygamy is allowed. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> Viserion himself has six children from two wives, including a woman he married when she was 19 after she posed nude for his paintings. Does that go the other way? Are the women allowed to have multiple husbands? It doesn't say. And some people call him a con man. Gee, I don't I, know, man. Sh- you think I don't we should know. Just, he sounds legit. I think should we, we should. just drop the show, stop it right now, and go move to Russia? What do you think? I'm, I'm thinking about it. I, he sounds legit. Like... <laughs> Jesus is back, guys. You heard it here first. He's back, and he's Russian. <laughs> oh, man. 
The worst oh. part is this is going to be a contending religion in a few years. It'll be like Scientology. Oh, I hope not. It's, it's going to be up there. The cult status to religion. <laughs> oh, here's another story. As if Halloween wasn't scary enough, in a new blog post on his Answer in Genesis website, human werewolf Ken Ham implores his supporters to think about sharing Christ with trick-or-treaters this year while offering several suggestions for ways to properly, quote, educate your neighborhood children about the Gospels. <laughs> Just what, what a kid wants to hear, right? You go to a door, trick well, or treat, you know, let me tell I, you about I can Jesus. See it. I can see it, though, because Easter, I saw these <coughs> cookies that were like a hand with, with jam in the middle. <laughs> and they, they were Easter cookies, right? And Well, you get the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just thinking that maybe they could they could give out something like that to the trick-or-treaters and, yeah, yeah and educate, edumacate them at the same edumacate. time about Jeebus. <laughs> In particular, Ham recommends giving kids a copy of a book they call A Biblical and Historical Look at Halloween. Oh, boy. Why not just give them a Bible? Yeah, exactly. That will educate them about the holiday's pagan's origin. In addition to the book, that ambitious evangelist can also hand out DVDs of the short film Halloween, Paganism, and the Bible. Oh, how to kill Halloween. Oh my god, this would be horrible. Which Ham says. They could kill Christmas the same way. Which Ham says traces Halloween's roots back to before Christ and potentially all the way back to the dispersion of the Tower of Babel. Oh my god. The Tower of Babel. <laughs> oh, can this guy give be, her, Ham? Give her. Can this guy be more delusional or what? Well, he always has been. Ham also recommends using a tactic called reverse trick or treating, that involves bringing naked, uh, not naked, sorry, baked, <laughs> baked goods directly. <laughs> He's going to gonna bring naked ladies to my door. I'll be happy. He can come in. <laughs> now it involves bringing baked goods directly to neighbors' houses on Halloween, and then hitting them up with a pitch about Jesus. Include a gospel booklet, he says, with your home-baked or store-bought treats. This is a great way to encourage your kids to give and bless others as well as share the gospel with the family. Oh, These guys, they God. really need to get a life. Oh, that's awful. I, it makes me feel sick when I see that. Yeah, I mean, how to ruin Halloween? <laughs> what good holiday? You have Christmas. Can't you just talk about Jesus in Christmas time? Christmas and Easter, you know, Christmas uh, and Easter, guys. As a matter I, of fact, Christmas is kind of a pagan holiday anyway, isn't it? It totally is. Yeah, There's very little Christianity in Christmas. Well, they, they threw Christianity into it to get the pagans over because it, it made sense. The uh, the using of the evergreen as the symbol. Yeah, the right? yule logs, and, the mistletoe. Well, the, the, ever, the evergreen, though, oh, is, yeah. is evergreen. So, so come the winter solstice, uh, the evergreen tree represents the the renewal of life exactly. because it's always alive right and and they say oh well that that fits right in with christ i mean that's wow you know <laughs> last year we did we did an explanation of the origins of christmas with the festival of saturnalia ah. yeah it was yeah you know and it's 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 sad that they would pick on th something like halloween which has nothing that's because they tried that they tried to make it all saints eve right because that's what christians do all, right? they take all a hallowed all Hallowed Eve, yeah. They, they tried they tried to make it Christian. They tried to, you know, appropriate it and take it, and then they claim it's always been like that. But they were never, they were never able to do that with Halloween. Yeah. So, speaking of... Uh, when are we going to have an Atheist Day? We totally should. Every oh, wait a minute. Day. Every Friday. Pastafarianism, uh, <laughs> Fridays are holidays. <laughs> so why not? And here's another one little story I got to tell about, speak about horror, horror, horror stories. Uh, speaking of answering Genesis, the creationist ministry run by Ken Ham is evolving. Okay. <laughs> and, they uh, don't you, believe in evolution, though. Uh, well, I'm using that wildly. Okay, so cool. <laughs> Ham says that answering Genesis Canada is scheduled to open in 2018 when an online store launching earlier will be run by Calvin Smith an Ontario native who has spoken about creationism at churches across the nation since 2001. They're building a creation museum in Canada. For fuck's sakes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no. Do I, do I sense a heckle parade? Oh. Do, I, do I sense us taking a road trip? <laughs> the announcement didn't say where any headquarters would be located, although I'm thinking Ontario is probably going to be the place, or Alberta. Uh, even if there would be a physical building, but the goal is clear. Make Canada just as dumb as the U.S. 
No! According to a recent study, a mere 15% of Canadians have any kind of creationist belief. Which is... Compar- too many. That's too many in the first place. But yes, but it's, it's like way lower than the Americans, which is almost 40%, right? Oh, the my, church uh, desperately needs a uh, answers in Genesis resource to equip uh, to stand to the authority of the word of God and boldly preach the gospel. We're excited to be part of encouraging and equipping our Canadian brothers and sisters through speaking events, resources, conferences, and more. He said, "Well, there you go, Canada. You've been warned. The creationists are on their way. Uh, It'll fail. I, I, I don't know what to say about this. It'll fail. I, I." Unless they put <laughs> For lack of a better term. I don't God think, damn, I hope it does. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I've lived in a couple of places that call themselves the, uh, the church capital or the religious capital of, of the area, like mm-hmm. here yeah, in Abbotsford. Sure, yeah. When I lived in the valley in Nova Scotia, the Annapolis Valley, that was the big Christian center there. Um, but something like this just won't, I don't even think it would fly here. I, I honestly think it would flop if, even here. Well, I mean, it's bound to flop because it's flopping in the States too, right? I mean, uh, the uh, Ark Encounter and all that, it is that, flopping. That's hilarious. Right? So it'll flop up here, but how much harm is it going to create first? I and mean, how many kids are going to be brainwashed into believing that dinosaurs and, and humans existed like in the Flintstones and shit like that? Yeah. Right? Um, I, I really hope that it really doesn't happen. I hope so too. But we'll have to keep it up. But, you know, I mean, I, I welcome the chance. I watched, you know, like R and Ra go to the uh, to the Ark Encounter and, and mm-hmm. challenge them and, and kind of make fun of them in a way. I I really would welcome the chance to do that myself here in Canada. I, I think we should take a road trip, get 15, 20 exactly. people together, show up on their thing, all wearing nice atheist t-shirts, <laughs> proclaiming ourselves. <laughs> if it's close and, by, if they do it in Alberta. Oh, if it's in Alberta, we're taking the road oh, trip. Oh, road we're trip for sure. for sure. We're doing it. It'd be a bit too much to go to Ontario. We could invite a few other podcasts to come with us. Oh, we, oh that's Get the microphones brilliant. going, get the video cameras oh, going. Just have brilliant. a great time. Like Randy Tyson yes. from the Legion of Reason, the guys from uh, Brainstorm. Oh, yeah. Let, oh, yes. bring, it, bring it on. Oh, right? We totally should do that. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. All right. <laughs> well, Ken, you're oh, on, buddy. Oh. What? No, go. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I'll bring the Kool-Aid. Absolutely. <laughs> the atheist Kool-Aid. You have to drink it. It'll make you reason. <laughs> So let's get a commercial real quick, and we'll come back with our friend Jeep the Vegan. And we'll be talking about veganism today. That'll be interesting. Very. So stay with us. Hi, I'm the Supreme Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps, as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism, humanism, and skepticism. Topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy. We often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour. Previous guests include biologist Jerry Coyne, ex-Muslim author Ali Rizvi, philosopher Peter Bogosian, and the late physicist Victor Stanger. You can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio version through your favorite podcatcher such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason Facebook page. Do you know where Saskatchewan is? Probably not. It's in Canada. If you do, you might know a city named Regina. In Regina, there's a studio. And in that studio, there are, at least once a month, a bunch of skeptical atheist geeks and goofballs who get together to do a podcast. We are the Brainstorm Crew, and we're trying to help spread a bit of reason and critical thinking while still having fun. Never taking things too seriously, but still not accepting everything we're told, we go through different topics, exploring them in depth, and often disagreeing. We try to stick to provable facts, and we never trust a myth. That's why we say we're woo-free since 2013. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spreaker under Brainstorm. Or check out our website, brainstormblog.net. I can't promise you'll always agree with us, but I can promise you'll have fun listening to us. Okay, just, just think about the Muslims at this moment who are blowing themselves up, uh, convinced that they are agents of God's will. There is absolutely nothing that Dr. Craig can, can say against their behavior in moral terms, apart from his own faith-based claim that they're praying to the wrong God. If they had the right God, what they were doing would be good. 
on divine command theory. Now, I'm obviously not saying that all that Dr. Craig or all religious people are psychopaths and psychotics, but this to me is the, is the true horror of religion. It allows perfectly decent and sane people to believe by the billions what only lunatics could believe on their own. If you wake up tomorrow morning thinking that saying a few Latin words over your pancakes is going to turn them into the body of Elvis Presley, you have lost your mind. But if you think more or less the same thing about a cracker and the body of Jesus, you're just a Catholic. Now, our next guest actually hails from the Netherlands. His name is Ayoub. He's also an animal rights activist, and he's a vegan. He's a snappy dresser and a snazzy dancer. Ayoub, thank you so much for joining us at Left the Valley. Thank you so much for having me. The pleasure's all ours. Ayoub, obviously, uh, you're a friend of the show, but uh, people don't know you. Would you be so kind to give us a Reader's Digest uh, version of who you are? Uh, Sure. So, my name is Ayoub. I am a mathematician. Um, but I'm also very politically active. So in the Netherlands, we have a political party dedicated to animal rights, which is uh, called the Party for the Animals. And they have an independent youth organization uh, called Pink, which is uh, pretty big right now. And I've, uh, for the past year, I've been on their national board, which I enjoy a lot. Wow. Uh, you, they actually have a parliamentary... Oh, first of all, I should ask, in the Netherlands, do they have a parliamentary style system? Is it, yes. is it, it is based like the British parliamentary system? Uh, sort of, except for all the lords and bishops. Oh, okay, fair enough. Just just like in Thank Canada, you. in other words. And you guys actually have a political party for, for animal welfare. Yes, uh, there are actually quite a lot internationally right now. So uh, the first one was in Germany, I think, the Tierschutzpartei. But in the Netherlands, uh, the first one uh, started, which actually got seats in Parliament. But even the German ones have someone in uh, the European Parliament right now. The Portuguese have one in Parliament right now. Um, In Australia, there's the Animal Justice Party, which now has a seat in one of the states. So it's really an international movement that's growing. I I had no idea. I'm actually flabbergasted by the information. I mean, I, I understood that some some parties have like green parties and stuff like that, but a national party that promotes the the welfare of uh, of animals other than humans is what a what a revelation! I had no yeah, idea. Well, it's, it's forward thinking too. I mean, absolutely, it's about time. So, how, how in, in your in in the Netherlands in in, in your uh, political system, how big mm-hmm. of a party is that that particular party? So. Um, in the most important chamber in Parliament, uh, there are 150 seats, and we right now have five of them. Okay, so on the so it's, it's seats still a small party, but it's growing and uh, yes, of course. Uh, big enough to have influence. Five seats, wow. Okay, and you yourself, sir, are a vegan. Yes. Now, why exactly are you a vegan? What What is it that made you? Were you always a vegan as a child, or you just you you grew up like every other kid eating? I grew up like every other kid eating meat. Um, When I was, uh, well, I had, my mother was a vegetarian, but Mm. for her it was more of a personal choice. Um, She didn't really see it as a big ethical thing, but it did make me start thinking about it. And when I was 11, I uh, realized that uh, it's kind of weird to um, eat food which other conscious beings had to die for. So I decided to become a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. And then when I was 17, I became a vegan. And the reason is that, uh, well, if you look at evolution, since we know that the evolution theory uh, holds up, we know that humans aren't really that different from other animals. Um, We know that if we see an animal having pain, if we see it being scared, if we see it being freaked out, if we see it have stress, that um, probably similar things are going on in their brain as are going on in human brains because these behaviors evolved for the same reasons. And um, luckily, the science uh, is on that side, and um, at least all mammals and birds are already uh, considered uh, to be conscious by uh, some Cambridge Association, I think. And more and more animals um, are showing signs of consciousness and signs of pain and signs of stress and signs of joy, too. 
And realizing that, realizing that so much, so many of our experiences can be found in other animal species too, it seemed very, very strange to consider them products, to raise these conscious beings for our own pleasure, when the pleasure of our food is actually not really proportional to the amount of suffering that is involved on them. That's a very interesting answer. Uh, you know, for the longest time, it seems that, you know, as skeptics, we always mm-hmm. rely on what science says. And, you know, very few of us will do and go and debate. You know, we go by what the data says. But for the longest time, mm-hmm. the science community has been saying that animals do not have the same uh, mental capacity or uh, empathy that humans exhibited. But this seems to be this seems to have been uh, a change in that tone lately. Sure, and I mean there are many differences. There are a lot of things that we can do and we can process in our brains, which most animal species can't. And the other way around too, actually, there are things certain animal species can do, can do that we can't, and that's perfectly fine. But when we talk about suffering and joy and these kinds of emotions, when we talk about stress, we see stress hormones in most animal species we also see um for example if you look at things like pain they we evolved these things these feelings to be able to um avoid certain uh, situations that might cause our bodies harm and there's really no evolutionary reason that that experience would be different for us than for them if the behavior that you see is so similar mm-hmm. and if you look at uh, what goes on in animal farms you see they suffer a lot of pain. You see they are stressed out. You see a lot of loneliness, which is something people don't very much think about when they think about animal suffering. But these animals just being uh, tucked away in their own cages, um, mothers and ch- children being separated. Yep. And we have a lot of evidence that that causes a lot of stress in these beings. Well, uh, you put, what do you say to people that will say that and an answer you just gave, I'm just going to play devil's advocate for half a second here because I like doing sure. that and I'm good at it. But what do you say, how do you respond to people that say, you're just anthropomorphizing uh, animals here. You're just giving them, you know, these animals are not as lonely as you think they are. They don't, they don't necessarily have that same social bonding that humans have. How, how do you answer that? I think that's a very strange thing to think because we evolved these things for the same reason. We know... Um, sort of how uh, of course there are a lot of details we don't know but in um, the big scheme of things we know how evolution works and we know that certain, uh, how certain behaviors evolve and we know that for a lot of social animals which um, many of the animals we have in animal farms uh, loneliness has a very important evolutionary uh, benefit to it to feel these things And we know this for pain, too. We know this for stress, too. And we see a lot of similar brain activities going on. We see a lot of similar behavior going on. I think that person would... um, If you want to uh, make the case that for humans, these uh, emotions, these um, experiences are very different than from other animals, I think that's uh, a bigger claim to make and something that needs more evidence than the idea that if we hold, if we show these same uh, behaviors, then probably we experience similar things too. Okay, and that's that's fair. That's fair. That is fair. Now, uh, do you are you are you aware of some uh, animal rights groups that have actually done these scans of animal brains and realized yes, or are we just assuming here that these animals are lonely and miserable? No, there's a lot of studies done. There's uh, studies done for. Uh, cows for example that when um when the calves are taken away from them Mm -hmm. that they spend a lot of time both the calf and their mother um screaming and belching and being very uh restless moving uh, moving around a lot being very uh showing very unsettling behavior compared to uh how cows usually behave and we know about stress hormones that these hormones are present in most animal species and that these heighten up during uh, stressful times which are similar to these so there is plenty of evidence and I don't think you'll find any researcher that would uh, deny that Hmm. 
it's it's interesting you you say that. I, I happen to have a, a friend of mine. He's also a he's a level five vegan. He won't anything that cast a sh he won't eat anything that cast a shadow. No, just kidding. <laughs> what? <laughs> Are there different levels these days? <laughs> no. But so so what pushed you to go from uh, from a all plant diet like uh, like vegetarian and that extra step that pushed you to vegan? What was it? Well, it was part of growing older, I suppose, because when I was a child, um, I simply realized that I'm eating body parts here, which is very strange because in the cartoons and such, we always learn that uh, <laughs> animals are so nice and fun and uh, fun to be around. So that idea was very strange to me, which is why I stopped it then. But only when I got older, I started really thinking about it more deeply. And then the realization came that it's extremely strange to even consider conscious beings to be products in the first place and because when we hold this idea that we can hold conscious beings to be products then suffering will always happen then we'll always treat them not as well as they should because these animal farms they are a business they are supposed to be as efficient as possible and animal rights will always come second because for example if you look at the egg industry um, most hens, uh, most male chicks are killed immediately at birth because they simply do not, uh, they do not lay eggs. They're just not profitable. Yeah. So they're either gassed or they're put in grinders, which are very unsettling images to see. Um, the same happens yeah, for the milk industry, too. that milk calves are often immediately uh, killed for veal. And the mother cows are... Uh, made to be pregnant time and time after again to make sure they give a lot of milk um, so they keep producing as much as possible. When you treat animals as products, bad things will continue to happen to them, which is not fair considering um, their similarities to us and their um, extreme sense of being able to experience things consciously. Hmm. Okay. Um, you do, do you feel that, you know... Um I know some people in the uh, atheist community, for example, will, will say that mm -hmm. um, for human evolution to have occurred, there needed to be a large ingestion of protein, which helped us develop our current brain and uh, and the fats that were needed uh, <coughs> needed us to switch to a uh, omnivore diet. Sure. Uh, so, as a vegan today. Uh, do you feel that you might uh, have a, a, just as good sources of protein as? For, oh, definitely. Yeah. So, so what what do you use for protein for you guys? Um, well, there's a lot of beans. Soy, uh, soy for example, is a uh, full protein which has uh, all the necessary necessary acids in it, which is why soy is uh, used so much for um, meat replacement. You also have lentils. You have chickpeas. You have um, different kinds of nuts, even broccoli as protein. If you look for the things you need, then you will find them. And especially in uh, all these kinds of beans and uh, lentils, you'll see that they contain as much or even more protein per um, per amount uh, as meat does. Well, you see, I, I have a problem with that because, you see, if I, I, I love lentils. Don't get me wrong, I really love lentils. But if I consume a lot of lentils and beans, I end up contributing way more methane to the uh, to to to, <laughs> to the atmosphere. <laughs> well, just think that uh, the cows will produce much more methane yes. than you'll ever be able to do. <laughs> I don't know. Good I could, answer. I could probably answer. outstick some cows sometimes. <laughs> so, uh, you know, do you do you have any idea? The, I was looking at a survey. Apparently, uh, they say only two percent of the Canadian population. Are vegans in Canada? Well, then you're doing better than we are. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it's less than one percent here. Huh? In the Netherlands? Oh, well, of course, it, it really depends where you where you go with this, right? Uh, for example, I was looking at PETA, which is the People mm. Ethical Treatment of Animals, says it's two point five percent, and the population of the U.S., which I almost have a hard time believing that. But you know, it, it depends who. You I have ask. no idea. I haven't seen stats. Mm. So you you don't know worldwide what. Uh, the, the population of vegans is uh, rising? Well, it very much seems to be rising, because, um, but I don't really have the 
stats to back it up. I, all I have is my own experiences okay. um, on this case because I haven't really uh, done the research and I don't want to uh, start saying things which I'm not sure are true. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was told there's also my, a bit of a correlation between uh, vegetarianism and veganism and some religions because some religions will have a diet which is much more uh, plant-based. Has it that been, uh, have you uh, stumbled upon these kind of, uh, these kind of uh, vegans by any chance? Um, vegans, I'm not so sure. I do know vegetarianism. Um, well, it's very popular in uh, religions like Hinduism and Buddhism, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, large, there's a huge part of India which is vegetarian, which sadly is actually changing around now that um, more of the youth in India is uh, becoming more secular, which sounds like a good thing and should be a good thing, but this is then one of those uh, nasty side effects. <laughs> Would you say it's really because of secularism, or is it because that uh, meat has always been like an expensive product, right? I mean, if you if you look at history, uh, the lord of the, uh, the the land would have his nice steak dinner, while most of the peasants would be eating a more plant based diet. Is it maybe Definitely. in those populations That's in it. India, maybe their the economy is doing better? They're producing more meat in that sense. That's true. Um, for the people who do eat meat. Uh, the richer the country becomes, the more they'll afford to be able to do it. But a lot of people in India are vegetarian due to their religious beliefs too. Mm. And more and more of them are uh, moving away from those religious beliefs, which usually I would applaud and I would still applaud in this case, but it's sad that this is one of the things that they often drop as well. Mm. Until you actually become like like a United States where you have meat, but it's not quite meat. You know, it's spam stuff posing as meat. <laughs> uh, sure, you, that's yeah. But aside aside the ethical aside the ethical dilemma there of uh, of uh, having a, a regular type diet, what other mm-hmm. advantages do you feel veganism brings to a person? Um. Well, there are advantages, but the rest of the advantages are not so. Uh, black and white. For example, um, for most people, especially in Western countries, cutting down on the amount of meat they eat and eating more fruits and vegetables will probably be beneficial to their health. Um, And I don't think anyone will deny that. But saying that um, animal products are unhealthy in every case uh, thinkable is simply not true. And I won't uh, state anything like that. Uh, But what we do know is that it's perfectly find uh, it's perfectly uh, possible to live healthily on a vegan diet to get all the nutrients you need so it's not a problem either and for most people especially in western countries it will be an improvement to their health um, aside from that of course there's the uh, environmental issue that the animal industry in general is um, it's not very efficient in the sense that yes. we grow crops to feed to the animals and then eventually eat those animals. And a lot of calories go lost that way. Uh, We can be much more efficient if we um, eat the plant-based food ourselves. And studies have been done that it will uh, cause less uh, carbon emissions. It will cause less land use. I've read some of those studies. Sorry? Uh, I've read some of those studies. And yeah, animal husbandry is actually a very resource-intensive for what you get out of it mm. uh, whereas Definitely. direct farming plants is not as resource intensive for the amount you get back for the for the return on it and the pollution aspect of it is is huge with animal husbandry mm. so. Definitely, especially for uh, um, the grain fat animals um, there are certain exceptions where if you do it in certain ways it's not that bad but there are very unique cases where um, if you of certain grass-fed animals in which you use which you feed on certain land which cannot be used for crops then there are certain exceptions to that but those are very rare and they don't happen a lot and for me the ethical argument is always the most important mm. okay so so the the ethical argument i understand your ethical argument and your ethical reasons for being vegan and and i i, I totally applaud that but uh, let me play devil's advocate again here. What, what if, for mm-hmm. example, uh, you, I'm assuming as a vegan you don't eat eggs either, right? 
Um, that's true. Okay, so so what if, for example, I've got I've got chickens, but these chickens are, you know, they live in a wonderful chicken coop. They're living their nice chicken lives, and it's a <laughs> old style farm, you know, like you see on the packages, you know, the white picket, chickens. happy chickens. They're all, sure. they, they, they're, they're, they're foraging all day. They're free day. to come and go into the yard. You've got a, a, a very exactly. large and, yard and they're for laying them. eggs and all that, and you happen to collect the eggs. And uh, they're unfertilized eggs, right. of course, right? Uh, would you would you still not eat that? Uh, well, first of all, not to crush your dreams, but any eggs you buy in a store will not be like that. No, um, no, it's simply not an efficient yeah. way to um, get your eggs. No, I agree. Um, my, you, of course, you, there you come to my farm. You come, you come to my farm. You, you, I invite you for dinner, and I, I've got happy chickens in the backyard. Sure. Well, of course, there are situations imaginable where that's the case, but. If we look at the chickens we have, they are uh, um, chickens in the wild did not lay eggs as often as the ones we have. We by uh, selecting um, and using our own uh, influence on evolution by uh, selecting the ones that uh, lay the most eggs, we have created chickens which are simply unhealthy in uh, what they do to produce for us. And I think it's there are ethical problems there with continuing that practice. But if you find some wild chickens which happen to have laid eggs and you collect them, I mean, that's not my main concern. I'm not going to attack that because that's 99.99% of uh, the animal industry does not work that way. And I think it's more important to focus on that. So, so your veganism is essentially a response to the industrialization of our food industry. Yes, but I think... Um, it's simply with the way we produce food, um, with the way our capitalist system works, um, animal products simply, it's, it's simply not, um, it's not imaginable to have a world where we produce animal products in a humane way because that's always inefficient. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Now, you, I'm, I'm, I'm almost a carnivore, I'll, I'll admit. I love my meat, I really do. Uh, and, mm-hmm. But I also understand the, uh, the ethical size of things. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'm a lazy cook. I'm really, really, really horrible. What, what, would you, what do you recommend for a guy who kind of wants to try that, but, you know, he's, I've got no talent. I've got no skill at cooking. You know? I am a very bad cook myself, so that's oh, perfectly good, fine. Good. <laughs> okay, I just, I just try to avoid the cooking at all. That's you know. well, it's, uh, one word, and it's called uh, falafel. Falafel. Just make that every day and you'll be perfectly fine. And made from right chickpeas are really good. Okay, falafels it is. And what do you think of, uh, a question for you, what do you think of the advances they've made in now they can grow meat? Mm, yes. On, uh, in, in a hydroponic type situation where there, there's no, the only animal that was involved was to get the cells to start the process. And now they're, um, they're, they're thinking of like sheet meat, if you want to call it that. Oh, I'll just give a very pragmatic response um, in the sense that I I think it's a good thing and if it helps many people who just will not move away from their animal products um, to be able to eat meat, which causes much less suffering. And I'm very happy these kinds of advances are made. But on the other hand, I mean, you shouldn't wait for that because... Um, we can already make delicious food from uh, plant-based sources, which is really good. We uh, already have a lot of ways to make um, meat replacements just using the plants we have. So you, you waiting are, you for are that right is not that. an excuse to keep eating meat. Mm-hmm. But if that is the only way to convert some people, then I'm of course happy it at least happens. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I agree with you on the... I, I had a burger once uh, served by a bistro in Nova Scotia, and mm-hmm. the guy came out and told me after. He says, "Do you realize there's no meat in that burger at all?" And I was, "What?" It was a port- yeah, exactly. portobello mushrooms that had been packed, mm. ground and packed, yeah, like veggie and burgers spiced. Had, yeah. And no, it wasn't even. It didn't even taste like a veg. It tasted like hamburger. Really? I mean, it yeah. So like we can co- already oh, yeah, grow was, our meat in that sense, just using plants. So yeah. I think it's. Uh, yeah. So I guess uh, the traditional so spices and it, and flavoring. Yeah, we can make it taste like anything we want. Exactly. So I can still take a lot of plants and make it taste horrible, right? 
Well, in your case, Kevin. My case, yeah, in my case, because yeah. my case is absolutely atrocious. <laughs> oh, cool. So, so, so you when you when you're looking at the uh, the the future of veganism, I'm, assu- <laughs> I'm assuming you're very positive about the uh, how 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 and where it's going. Uh, definitely, and I do really believe that there will come a time when we look back at this time and think. How the hell were we able to do this to animals? Um, look back at it at the same way we now look back at slavery, because it is one of the most, one of the largest ethical disasters we've ever had in our history. Because the numbers are just insane. We're talking about over a hundred billion animals every year, which yeah. are used as products yeah, for us, which is them, insane to think about. And I do think there will come a time when we realize that. I am. Um, what I'm not hopeful for is the slow pace it happens because just looking at these numbers now it's very sad to see and I don't like the fact that it takes so long for this to happen but I hope every every way everything we can do to speed up this process would be great yeah well if I, if I might add you know uh, I don't know if that's also the case, same case in the Netherlands but I know there are some political parties in uh, different parts of the world that are starting to give human rights to animals. India, for example, recognizes, I think it's dolphins, they recognize them as non-human persons. Oh, very good. Ecuador is doing the same so they're thing. Giving them, they're giving them the extension of human rights. Exactly, exactly, yeah. right? To, to some of the higher uh, mammals, anyway. And there are some places, I believe it's like Ecuador, is starting to give uh, human rights to uh, objects in nature, like rivers. A river would have the right to remain clean and uh, free of pollution and wow. stuff like that. So there actually is a growing movement in that sense. And if you look back at uh, 50 years in the past, <coughs> there was no such movement at all. And that's brought on by people like like you that are participating in the political process. Well, you, thank you so much for that, man. I, I certainly appreciate the time you, you've given us today. If, if you get some parting words of wisdom you'd like to give to our uh, the, the average listener, uh, what would you tell them? Um, well, I tell them that I understand the fact that uh, with the world we live in today, it's it's hard to just drop your meat to drop your animal products because everyone around it does. Everyone around us does it. Everyone we know, everyone we respect, thinks it's fine. But when you do eat your steak, when you do eat your eggs, please at least think about all the suffering that's involved, and please just reconsider and think about what kind of alternatives are available to you, mm-hmm. even if it's. Even if you're not going vegan the next day, you can at least decrease uh, the amounts of animal products you eat and slowly make progress that way. Cool. So if somebody wants to, to look more seriously into that, you and wants to start looking into becoming vegetarian or vegan, is there a particular resource you'd like to recommend? Uh, there's the Vegan Society. Um, let me look up what the exact website is. Yeah. Um, which actually has advice too and um, vegansociety.com yeah vegansociety.com I think it is okay vegansociety.com I'll put that in the notes yes, on the show as well you can uh, take the vegan pledge and you'll get free tips advice recipes and more on how to go vegan and you get all these advice and things you can follow which right. really helps you in the process and makes it all not as scary as it uh, sounds like in the beginning well, was it was it difficult for you to try to, to go from vegan to vegetarian to vegan? To me, it looks um, like a monumental thing to do, right? So, well, in the first <laughs> the first day when you do it, you get a little bit scared because you don't know. You have no idea what, where the animal products can be found, well, which kind of foods all have it inside of them. But you get used to it very fast because just you do your normal groceries, you. Uh, look at the ingredients you discover which one of those have animal products and you replace them with other things and then the next time you go to the grocery store you know what you have to buy so you really get used to it very fast and it turns out that it's really not as hard as you think it will be and you'll find out that it's just as tasty as it was before too Mm. (laughs) excellent you before I let you go can I have you say hi I'm Yoop the vegan and I took a left at the valley Hi, I'm you. Hi, I'm Yup the vegan. I took a left at the valley. Awesome. And that was Yup the vegan. I've been calling him Jeep all this time. I'm so sorry. Yup is good. I like that. It is a very nice name. That's a cool name, man. And you know, uh, 
I'll admit, you know, a great guy. I, I I'd like to bring more animal, uh, sorry, not animal, vegetable matter into my diet. I would certainly like to do that, but you know, I your I, body will thank you. I I'm sure it will. <laughs> I'm sure it will. But I'm such a horrible, horrible cook. I mean, well, it's it's like I say, I I appreciate his pain uh, when he started with the veganism. Mm. Going over to the and realizing the products that had animal product in them, right? I I'm going through the same thing with the wheat, trying to avoid the wheat, and you just start realizing everything on the grocery shelf aisle has wheat in it, yeah, almost exactly. everything. For sure. Yeah, so uh, I can see where our society is really. I mean, you have to. But then again, you become more involved with selecting your food mm. and you become more choosy about how you make your meals and I suppose yeah it would be better for all of us it's going to be an interesting future when we get people like you leading the charge uh, I'm telling you a hundred years from now the world's going to be very different than what it is now I and for so. the better I hope so so thank you, Scott, for joining me on the show today. Thanks for having me, Kevin. It's, it's always, always a pleasure having It's you? always enjoyable being here. <laughs> Some of the stuff that comes up is kind of hilarious. You can follow us at leftofthevalue.com. You can follow us at uh, LETV Podcast on Twitter, on Facebook. Please follow us. Please follow us. Don't uh, send your complaints to Nancy. Third floor. <laughs> Third floor. <laughs> uh, you can send us an email at leftofthevalue at outlook.com. If you uh, give us a five-star review on iTunes or Stitcher or something like that, it helps others find the show. We'd certainly appreciate that. Coming up, next week we'll be talking to Aaron Bays about bronies. What is a brony? I have no idea, and we'll find out. On the end of the month for Halloween, our Halloween special, we'll have Andrea Gretchen, and we'll be talking about the devil. That's going to be Woo-hoo. fun. And I want a ghost story from you. From me? For everybody. Everybody okay. tells a ghost story. I'll give you a ghost story. Give me your best storytelling voice and you go ahead and do that in November we'll have David G. McAfee and we'll also have lawyer Andrew Torres of the uh, opening argument podcast will be talking to us about uh, the uh, Johnson Amendment and he's also the guy that keeps Eli Bosick in check so I don't know if he's going to be able to do both at the same time (laughs) and of course like I said, at the uh, beginning of next year, we'll also be talking to our old friend Michael Shermer about his Excellent. new book. So that'd be... We still have some good shows coming up till the end of the year. You are, you are absolutely awesome. Oh, dude. These things up, man. I, I work hard. I work hard for this. I know you do. I try anyway. <laughs> Give you guys some quality. <laughs> and uh, don't watch Harry Potter. <laughs> Christina's yes, not here. Yes. She's going to hear that. Eh? I know. She's, She's going to hear that. She's going to go... I said, don't watch Harry Potter. You're going to yeah, kill me. It's, it's the Harry Potter she hears. She doesn't hear don't. She just hears Harry Potter. <laughs> Thank you so much, Scott. Until next time. You betcha, man. Now let me take a sec. Don't mean to sound so hateful, but I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful. The thousands of children are raped by priests. And since they're holy men of God, they get away scot-free. And the Pope does his very best to keep it on the hush. Don't wanna affect business, he loves money too much We know that they love the kids, but how the fuck can we protect them While they planning to molest them, we teaching them to respect them Respect them, fuck that The system is broke down, working backwards And the only action or tactic I plan to practice now is to attack them The parties of God's hands are bloodstained Millions of murders by believers, and they're all in God's name and let me take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful, but I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful. That many atheists are told to be quiet, you're not alone, speak your mind, time to let it be known. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims, that's something to be ashamed.